This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. So we continue with uh, He Who Overcomes. It will be focused on kingdoms clashing. Uh, so there's a fourth message Sonica uh, shared last week, uh, the third one. And uh, we're looking at the churches in the book of Revelation, the seven messages that Jesus spoke to the seven different churches. And if you miss the others, you can just download them, any podcast app. You just search Show for East London, or you go on to showforsermons.org, select East London. You can download, get the notes there. It's all there. So I want to, to explain uh, kingdoms clashing is that as, as Christians, you know, there's a lot of pressure on us these days. Uh, pressure in the sense of to be quiet. Pressure in the sense of sit in a corner and shut up. That's basically the world is telling us. Wherever we go, if it, whether it's government, whether it's school, work, community, the, the spirit of the world is trying to, to, to keep us quiet. And so there's a lot of pressure on us to, you know, even as we, Christianity is not, um, by the way, a silent um, religion. It was never meant to be a silent religion. It is a very vocal uh, faith. Because how can you encounter so awesome a God and not want to tell somebody? How can you receive the cure to the problems of the world and not want to tell somebody? You know, so for a real true believer, it is just impossible to be quiet. You want to tell somebody. And so the, the letter we're going to look at tonight is the, 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 or the, the, the prophecy that Jesus spoke to the persecuted church. I want to speak to you about persecution. Say yay. You see, the real church will be persecuted. It's easy to not be persecuted. Just do nothing. Say nothing. You know, the, the, the people would never have died for their faith if they were willing to recant and just say, oops, sorry. <laughs> They don't want to follow Jesus anymore, you know. But there's this, there's this continuous struggle um, on the inside of every believer. The, as, we, as we shine our light, we push the kingdom of darkness back, and the kingdom of darkness isn't happy, so it's going to push back. And it uses specifically two weapons against us. The one weapon is the fear of man, to shut you up. The other one is shame. But those two, they work together to get us to be quiet. And I remember being on the um, student council of the University of Stellenbosch. Um, I stood for my, my second year on the, on the student council. You know, you have to go through the whole process that you have to sort of market yourself. You put up posters everywhere. Yeah, we did like 20 public meetings where you have to sell yourself from hostel to hostel, public meetings where hundreds of students are there. And, you know, Hectic. It's hectic. And I was a very vocal Christian. So I was taking a stand for Jesus. And so there was a whole group of people who were atheists and haters of God that gunned for me. They gunned for me. They, their mission was to shame me as wildly as possible in a public environment. And they did actually a very good job. It was really tough. 
and it affected me. I remember before, so as I was going into these things, I remember before some of these circuses, I was like, I was praying for hours just to find my peace, just to find my peace, just to, yeah, because you're on your own there, you know, and you have to like do this. And, and, and it's like some people have already, uh, they have this agenda against you. Yeah, so I battled there. And I remember even going out of that season, I was so battling with the fear of man. Even just meetings on the student council, 20 of us there, and then this, the newspaper, the student newspaper would be there, the journalists would be there. I would just be terrified to, to speak. It's like I lost my confidence. I lost my boldness. And, I can, and I can, if I look at my past, there were these seasons of my life where, where the lies of the enemy became my reality. I, I, in a sense, lost who I, I truly was. And, and over the years, it's been this battle, this struggle to overcome intimidation, to overcome timidity. And so how do you overcome timidity? How do you overcome the fear of man, the fear of speaking in front of people, the fear of telling somebody about Jesus? How do you overcome it? Well, key number one, just do it. The only way you're going to overcome fear is to do it despite the fear. It's the only way. You need to step out and step out again, and you realize it's not so bad to, uh, to go for it. But I want, to, I want to share with you that, you know, Wednesday's election day, and every one of us has a vote. And to be honest, we must be good stewards of our votes. We must be good stewards of the small things in life. But to be honest, I'm not putting a lot of faith in my vote. Because God has given me a voice. And every one of us has given us a voice. He's given you a voice. So yes, go vote. Ask God, who should you vote for? Personally, we're voting for a Christian party because I want Christian godly principles in government. I want to empower a Daniel to be there and to be able to talk and to say, guys, that's wrong. Most of our parties are extremely liberal. Do you know that? In other words, anti-biblical, anti-godly, most of them. There's just, I think, about two, maybe three of the smaller ones that are actually Christian in the sense that we want to promote biblical values. So I must say that's something that really irritates me about our political scene. But anyway, be that as it may, you have a voice. So you vote as Holy Spirit leads you. But you don't put your faith in the vote. It's probably going to take a while before God gets uh, our country in the right direction. And uh, so I'm looking long term. But you have a voice. Do you know that? And your voice is the most powerful weapon that you have in the hands of God. As a believer, we have voices to worship the living God. And when we worship Him, the kingdom of God is like the atmosphere shifts and God shows up. When we really worship with all of our hearts, atmosphere shifts. You can worship. You have a voice. You have a voice to pray. In other words, you can, although you have just one little cross you can make here on earth in South Africa, you as a child of God can go into heaven, sit at the boardroom of heaven, and say, Father, let's shift this country into the right direction. You have a voice as a child of God. Amen. And then you have a voice to tell somebody what Jesus has done in your life. You can be a witness. 
This is our greatest privilege. If you look at uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he said, oh, well, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be what? You will be witnesses. You will be witnesses. You will be witnesses. And that speaks of speaking, doesn't it? Be a witness. You have to speak. You have to share. But the enemy wants to shut us up. This is the is a major assault on the Christians in the Western world to get us to be quiet. Yet our voices are the most powerful tool we have in the hands of God. But we need to come boldly. When we worship, we need to worship boldly. When we pray, we need to worship with an understanding of the authority that we have. And then when we witness, we must know that as I am sharing about the love of God to somebody right now, Heaven backs me. God wants to impact right now. Do you realize that you have a voice? Come on, say it. I have a voice. Ah, see, you've got a voice. You have a voice. And you must use it. And the enemy wants to shut us up. The enemy wants us to be intimidated. The enemy wants us to be silent. But you should not. Our world is a mess. Have you noticed lately, so many people on pills for a whole lot of stuff, depression and anxiety and you name it, just a whole lot of challenges that people are experiencing. They go from psychologist to psychiatrist to pills to more, and not, no issue with psychiatrists and psychologists, they have their part, they have their place. But ultimately, the, the problem is on the inside, where only Jesus can get to. The other, the pills help for a season. The psychiatrists, psychologists help for a season to get, get people through a very bad pit. But lifelong freedom is only found with Christ. You know, so we have the best pill ever. Huh? The gospel. Amen. We have the gospel. And, and if you have the cure, how can you and I, if we have the cure for people's problems and challenges, how can we be silent? And they can change legislation and they can threaten us with prison and they can do whatever they want to do. We will not submit to any legislation that is contrary to God's word. Because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is our God. Above the president, above the constitution. And, and, and we are ambassadors for Christ. Amen. Come and say it. I'm an ambassador for Christ. And you need to use your voice. Apply your voice. Obviously with wisdom and humility and kindness and love. But use your voice. Amen. Best pull ever, the gospel. I remember a book I read, I don't know who's read this book called The Heavenly Man. Anybody? Okay. So The Heavenly Man is a, a guy called Brother Yun or Un, a Chinese pastor, leader. And, and the story shares all the persecution he went through, like the time in jail, the suffering, the beatings. You know, at the, at the, at the end of his time in China, and he was in jail, and, and, and they were like, you're not going to run away again. So they took baseball bats and they crushed his legs. 
And yet just after that calling upon God, the Lord miraculously healed him. An angel appeared to him and he walked out of like maximum prison, walked out. Guards didn't see him. Gates just opened and he could come to the West. And he was like, finally, I'm in the free West. And uh, after a few years, he said, persecution is everywhere. And he said, actually, he feels that Western persecution is worse than the persecution he experienced in communist China. With all the beatings and the prison and everything. Because he said, it is so confusing who's for you and who's against you. Because it's your own brothers and sisters in Christ that attack you and accuse you of being a liar and a charlatan and a fake. And, and he said, it was so tough. It was so hard for him to... To, to experience the so-called freedom of the West, because there's a spirit that's assaulting us continuously to shut up. We're going to intimidate you. We're going to do the fear of man. We're going we're gonna to shame you until you are quiet. We're going to tell you how evil you are. And that's currently happening. Evil is being called good, and good is being called evil. That the world is an upside-down mess. And it's all so that you and I may get the, 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 this is how it works. Christians, be quiet. But I've got good news to you. You have a voice. And God calls you to use your voice. To speak, to worship, to pray, to share, to witness. This is so important. So I want to look, look, look at this verse that, that highlights Jesus' promise. John chapter 16, verse 33. He says, these things... I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, suffering, crushing, pressing, opposition, enemies. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Now that's for a lovely promise there in your wall, the one like, you will have tribulation. Yes, I will have tribulation. Yes. Not a nice, not, not a nice feeling, but we need to understand that sometimes people get the shock of their lives. I gave my life to Jesus. Everything's supposed to be wonderful now. What's going on? You will have opposition. You are now fighting for the kingdom of light, and the kingdom of darkness will oppose you, and this kingdom of darkness will use people to come against you. So um, I don't know if you, you recently were checking the news, but there's a guy called Israel Falau, rugby player, Australian rugby player. And he plays for the, for the Wallabies. He's probably the best player in the team. And he's also the top try scorer in the Super Rugby uh, uh, series over the last 10 years or so. And he was asked a question by somebody on Twitter or on, on, on Instagram. You know, how, what is God? Because he's a devout believer, devout Christian from the, like the Pacific Islands and a whole lot of them. Very devout, faithful to God. And he shares his story of how... Uh, in 2009, I, I read a blog that he wrote recently after the, the controversies that, that come out now. But he shares his journey, and I tell you, I, I, I have so much compassion for the guy. Because he's being vilified in the media. He's a bigot. He's a hater. He's a terrible human being. How dare he quote the scripture? You know? And they, it really sounds bad. And everybody's ganging up against him. And they are, they, it's like he's the most evil person in, in Australia currently. For quoting a scripture. And I was just reading his story. And he says in 2009. 
Um, about 10 years ago, he was, he was 20 years old, and he was a Mormon previously. They left the Mormon faith, and he said he didn't really focus as a young man. And he, he really went into the world, so he was sleeping around and doing a lot of alcohol and messing around. And it, it was, it was, he was living the, the life, and he says he was miserable. It was terrible. It was empty. And then uh, 2010, I think around there, he, he moved to Sydney, and he found this wonderful church. We encountered the love of Jesus. He committed his life to Christ. And then he made this decision that Jesus from now on is his number one. More important than rugby, more important than anything else, Jesus is number one. And so what he does is, and, and so someone asked him on uh, Instagram so, a month ago or so, asked him, how does God feel about homosexuals? And uh, he responded, by quoting this, basically he forwarded something that he found somewhere else that someone gave to him. And basically quotes 1 Corinthians 6, and it goes through the list of people who will not inherit the kingdom of God according to God's word. Fornicators, thieves, liars, and homos, practicing homosexuals, and so forth. The next verse says, good news, such were some of you, but you've been washed, you've been cleansed, you've been renewed. Okay, so anyway, so he quoted that, and he basically, the thing said that hell awaits you, repent, turn to Jesus. So that's what he put out there. So I'm not going to go into the details now of the right or the wrong or whatever. He could have probably put in a little bit more love in there somewhere. But biblically speaking, that is exactly what the Bible says. For 2,000 years, Christians have believed exactly what he said there. All hell broke loose. So they want to fire him as this weekend, they're having court cases now or the hearing, and, and it's a nightmare. His own teammates are coming against him. Pressure's being put from sponsors on the, 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 the Australian rugby team and the, and the management to fire him. It's a massive story all across the world now because the question is, is there religious freedom? Are we allowed to have an opinion or are we not? Are we allowed to have opinions that other people might not like? So, okay, so he spoke about hell. A lot of people that are upset are atheists. Like, why are you upset? You don't even believe in hell. It's a fairy tale. Why don't you not just laughing it off? Why are you so upset? Why, why, why can't, why, why? you know, and, and they all speak about it. They say, they say he's a bigot. And you know, a bigot is someone that is not um, tolerating other people's opinions. So I'm like, who is the bigot here? Why aren't you tolerating his opinion? On the topic. And you're calling him a hater, but is that hatred or is it love? To tell somebody, he writes it in his blog there, he says, like, if you're seeing somebody walking down a path and they're about to fall into a massive hole, would you warn them? Would love not warn them? So he's been called the hater, but maybe he's the one that's showing love. Maybe he's showing courage. Because he's about possibly to lose everything. He, he's lost his fame. He's now infamous. He's this horrible human being. But I, I just love what he said here. He said, and this is beautiful. I have so much respect for this guy. He says, I would sooner lose everything. Friends, family, possessions, my football career, the lot. And still stand with Jesus. Than have all of those things and not stand Beside him. And he said this in his blog. He said, I judge no one. I am a sinner. But God's word is still the truth. 
And so I, I mean, I, I think he's an inspiration, and he, and he also reveals how this world is functioning. They're saying freedom of speech, free in the Western world, but we will shame you, we will abuse you, we will, <laughs> we will, we will come for you. You know, so yes, we're not being crucified for our faith. We're not being thrown to the lions anymore. We, we rarely experience physical violence, but it's still violence because we threaten you with your future. He's, he's about, if, they, if, they, if he loses us, he loses a $4 million contract. And he says, I'm willing to. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that inspirational? And then if we look at ourselves, sometimes it's like hard just to tell somebody sitting next to you somewhere, Hey, if you, can I share with you a little bit about Jesus? What he's done in my life. He saved me, set me free. He is amazing. I love what Tanya shared just about how God set her free from anxiety. It was a nightmare. It was an absolute nightmare what she was going through. And yet Jesus set her free. How can we not tell somebody when we have the cure to all their problems probably in this life? And for all of eternity. But the enemy intimidates us. And I'm trusting that tonight the Lord's going to set us free from intimidation. That the Lord's going to strengthen us to say, man, I am no longer afraid. You see, you and Jesus are a majority. Even if the whole world stands against you. If it's you and Jesus, you are the majority. And it's awesome. Amen. So I want to take this Revelation 2 verse 8. It says, write this letter. To the angel of the church in Smyrna, this is the message from the one who is the first and the last, who was dead but is now alive. If you want to overcome the fear of man, which is terrible, it's, it's being tormented. That's how bad the fear of man is, like a tormenting thing. If you want to be free from the fear of man, you need the fear of God. There it says, I am the one. Who's speaking? Jesus. I am first. I am lost. In other words, before anybody was, I am. I designed this world. I made it. I gave you life. I am God. Before anything was, I am. And then he says, I am lost. And I see it's like, it's like a boxing match. Jesus in the boxing match. And every human being... Probably at one point in their lives, they are fighting against God. They're in rebellion. They're like, I'm not going to submit to you. I'm going to fight you. I'm going to resist you. And I want to say, God is saying, Jesus is saying, I will be, I'm the first and the last. Jesus is standing in the boxing ring. And over the ages, empires come to fight him. Guess who wins? Nations come to fight. Governments come to fight. Politicians come to fight. Small and big, young and old, they come to fight and to fight this God. The truth is, at the end, every one of them will find themselves on the canvas. And one will keep on standing. His name is Jesus. And so you and I have the decision to make. Either fight, and he will fight you down. At some point, you will bow the knee. Or you say, you're God, I'm not. I'm going to bow the knee. I humble myself. Your word stands. I know squat. <laughs> you are God. I am not. 
And I believe God calls every one of us at some point to bow the knee and to say, Jesus, I submit, you're the king. And that's the only way you will ultimately be free from the fear of man. Because you're like, God, you number one. Who the heck cares what people think? This isn't a popularity contest. This is about being faithful to my king. And he will reward me. The people might laugh now, but Jesus ultimately wins. I mean, sometimes we, when you look at life, yeah? And you, and you, and you, you sometimes think that it feels like evil is triumphing over good. Who's felt like that at times? Huh? It sometimes feels like, it looks like evil is triumphing over good. And then when I look at the crucifixion, when Jesus was crucified, man, it really feels like evil is overcoming good. They mock him. They scourge him. They say, ah, the one, the one who saves others, but he cannot save himself. Come on, Jesus. Show us. Messiah, the mocking, the voices, the whooping, the scourging, the spitting. And it looks like evil is triumphing over good. But were they? Was evil triumphing? No, it wasn't. God willingly laid down his life because he knew that Sunday is coming. Resurrection Sunday is coming. And Resurrection Sunday, the day that Jesus rose from the dead, is the day, and the, is it like a prophetic word for every one of us, that ultimately, at the end, good triumphs over evil. Amen. Good triumphs over evil. There's a resurrection coming, people. For every one of us, whatever you're going through, no matter if people are mocking you, it might be family, it might be work colleagues, school colleagues, students, whatever it might be, people might be saying, man, you, you, you your little Bible, you know. You know, that people try a whole lot of fascinating ways to, to make a Christian feel stupid. Resurrection's coming. Ultimately, in eternity, at the very latest, on Judgment Day, good will triumph over evil. Amen. Doesn't matter how they treat us now. It doesn't matter what they do now, but we must just respond in the opposite spirit of love and say, God, my faith is in the living God. Amen. So Jesus is the first and the last. He is the one who was dead, but is now alive. Amen. Come on, say it. I'm alive in Jesus. Amen. Matthew 5, verse 10, it says, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. God Blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. For the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You have a voice, use it. Even if you get opposition, blessed are those. I have learned that persecution is one of the most special blessings and gifts in life. You know, I get excited when somebody doesn't like me. I didn't always. But these days I'm like, man, thank you, Jesus. There's someone that doesn't like me. Bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. I forgive you. But thank you, God. I'm reminded that this is not about me. This is about Jesus. This is not a popularity contest. This is about the glory of Christ. Amen. Because sometimes we fall into this trap. We think, man, Christianity is about loving people. So that means everybody must like us. No, no. They must respect us. But they don't need to like us. 
Amen. So God wants to give us a, a strength, a confidence in Him. I stand before God, not before man. Amen. So Proverbs 29, 25, it says, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. The fear of man is a snare. In other words, if you were um, like, Jesus, I want to follow you. Yes, love you, Jesus. Awesome. And now Jesus is leading you down a path that you realize, whoa, whoa, whoa. The crowd is going that way. Christ is going this way. Which is it going to be? If you want to figure out which way you should go, look at the way that the crowd is going and then choose the other way. Amen. And I believe that is the decision we have to face in our lives. Will I follow the crowd or will I follow Christ? Will I follow the crowd so that I can please a person or will I follow Christ? And maybe, just maybe really upset a few people. But I, I, honestly, I honor, I honor God. And sometimes we're like, uh, okay, Jesus, uh, I see you going down that path. I'm going to go this way. I'll catch up with you again on the other side of the hill. Okay. See you later, and then you follow the crowd, and you hope you get your way back. But sometimes we don't. We succumb to the fear of man. We become quiet, and we stop talking, speaking what God wants us to speak. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Put your trust in Jesus. I would rather have the whole world against me, but have Jesus with me, than the whole world for me, but Jesus against me. That's a nightmare. Amen. Come on, let's say it. I will not be afraid. I will follow Jesus. Come on, say it. I have the cure. I'm going to share it. Amen. Revelation 2 verse 9, continuing on that passage, says, I know about your suffering and your poverty. This is Jesus speaking. But you are rich. He says, I know. I know how it feels like when a family member mocks you or even a spouse or a, a, a friend or a, somebody in your workplace. I know what it feels like. I know how that, what, what, what's going on on the inside. I know. And I know your poverty. And, 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 and Jesus is saying there, but you are rich. And this is a poor, poor, physically poor church. And Jesus is saying, guys, true riches is not physical riches. True riches is knowing God. Having, having God on your side. Because Jesus said, he is ashamed of me. I will be ashamed of him. But that also means that he who is unashamed of me, I will be unashamed of him. Be unashamed. Take a stand for Jesus. Even if it makes people uncomfortable. Be that guy. Just be that guy. Be that woman. Be that one. Oh, here she comes again. Their Bible. Probably going to tell me about Jesus again. Yes, I am. Love you. Jesus loves you. I have a good story for you today. And I'm so praying for you. I am so praying for you. Amen. We can also have a bit of fun every now and again. I am so praying for you. <laughs> Amen. But it says there, I know the blasphemy of those who oppose you. Of those opposing you. They say they are Jews, but they're not, because they're a synagogue that belongs to Satan. Now, in our context, you know, I don't think Jews persecute Christians so much that I know of, but uh, in our context, it would be Christians, religious Christians, who feel it's their mission in life to shut us up. 
So I had a scenario. Um, I was speaking at a school, primary school, and I wanted to speak to the, the, the boys about, um, uh, about Jesus being the superhero. And I, I wanted to say to them, God, Jesus isn't only the ultimate superhero, better than any Marvel comic hero. He's better than all of them, but you can always also be a superhero. Man, the boys loved it. I shared stories about Jesus healing people, cancers disappearing, awesome things happening. I had 10 minutes flat, and I was having a whole lot of fun, and the boys were also loving it. At the end, I said, who wants to be a superhero for Jesus? Your whole school got up like, yes. It was wonderful. I I wanted to show them that Jesus is not a nerd. He's better than Marvel. Captain America gaan spring. But there was one of the teachers or one of the ladies in the school there. She sent me a, a letter after, an email afterwards. I read this and I'm like, were we in the same meeting? <laughs> Found out she's a pastor's wife. And ah, uh, if you read that letter just on its own, I am probably the most evil, despicable human being on the planet. I was like, I had 10 minutes. We had a whole lot of fun. <laughs> I didn't have time to go into all the detail of the gospel. But I was saying, Jesus is, wa- is awesome. And I'm like, oh, so I had like, mm. <laughs> peace, 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 peace. Nice email back. Gentle, humble, kind. Ten scriptures. <laughs> Do you realize Jesus still heals? Do you realize that God is still powerful? Do you realize that the Bible says multiple places people were challenged to make a decision for Christ? That's what I did. Oy. But then I realized again that our greatest opposition will come from Christians. And that's what it hurt so much. You don't expect it. So be ready for it. When you want to follow Jesus, it's not the atheist that's going to clap you the biggest. It's the Christian down the road. Because the enemy uses good, good Christians, loving people. They, they're good people. They honestly love Jesus. But the enemy got, comes for us. Revelation 2 verse 10, uh, just the last, last two verses there. Jesus saying, don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. So in their case, it was hectic, it was prison and those type of things. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. You will suffer for 10 days. But if you remain faithful even when facing death, I will give you the crown of life. So Jesus is saying, tribulation is part of the game. There will be times that in our Western culture, it's not physical violence or prison necessarily yet. They're trying to outlaw the Bible like crazy, being a hate, hate book. Um, but being willing to go through things like, man, I'm going to share with somebody. Man, I'm going to step up. Man, I'm going to take a stand for Jesus. I love how this one guy, uh, Tim Tebow, is a, is a NFL, was an NFL quarterback uh, player in America. And, and he was once playing, playing um, at a golf, like a golf expose or golf thing. And, uh, and he, he hit an awesome, awesome shot. And the guy behind him was an atheist and uh, I think a radio host or something. He said... Jesus, and then Tim said, loves you, <laughs> which I think is so, so a brilliant way of saying, hey, don't use the name of Jesus like that, you know, instead of doing that, which is just plain awkward, to say, loves you, 
to have that confidence. And then that guy who said that took the video, posted it on, 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 on the internet, and it went viral. Tens of thousands, I think hundreds of thousands of people saw Tim Tebow saying, loves you. He's beautiful. You know, so we mustn't be weird, if, I, if you understand. Don't be weird around people. You know, but, but try and turn things around for something good. Amen. So he says, don't be afraid. The, the whole word, the, the word phobia is defined as it's a, it's a panic that grips a person, causing him to run away. Fear causes us to run outside of the will of God. Don't run away. Face your fear. <laughs> Look it in the eye. Say, man, I, I'm terrified, but I'm not going to show it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to step out. I'm going to share my testimony. I'm going to take a microphone in church sometimes. I'm going to share my story. I'm going to, in life group, I'm going to open my mouth. I'm going to tell them what Jesus did in my life. I'm going to take a step with that work colleague person at, at work. I'm going, to, I'm going to share with them, you know, do, do you know what Jesus did in my life? Just go for it. You have nothing to lose. You don't need to be weird. You can just love them well. Amen. So there's that, that dying process that, that, that in a sense, we need to go through because ultimately, it is freedom. Come on, let's say it. I want to be free. Right, so yeah, ending off four tips on how to overcome fear and shame. Number one, know God is with you. Know that God is with you. Take, lift up your eyes. Know that when you take a stand for Him, He will take a stand for you without a doubt. You and God are a majority. Know who is with you. Secondly, walk in the light. Expose what's happening, whether it's fear, whether it's lust, whether it's lies. But tell somebody what's happening on the inside. Tell them, man, when my work colleagues mock me or joke with me or that, it, 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 it affects me. And I, I want to I deal with this, you know. So talk to somebody. Get it out in the light. Sonica preached about this last week. Really get her message that was just Phenomenal, what she shared uh, last week, Sunday. Thirdly, renounce the lies. So how it works is the enemy accuses us. Hey, you're a liar. You're, a, you're evil. You're bad. You're a hater. You're a bigot. Whatever it might be for simply wanting to love somebody with the truth. Expose it. Say, man, that's a lie. I'm writing down these lies. That's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. I love people. I am humble. I care. I, 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 just, I just reject these lies in the name of Jesus. You need to do that in general with people around you, whether it be family, whether it be work colleagues. You know, people tend to try to get us, to control us, to get us to shut up. Expose the lies and then renounce the lies. So that it can't get a grip on your heart. And then lastly, respond in the opposite spirit. Respond with kindness. Respond with love. But you have to work through it. That's what Jesus did. He hung on the cross and he didn't say to hell with all of you. He said, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. And that's sometimes a journey. You need to forgive daily, sometimes five times a day. God, I really forgive that guy. He's a jerk. <sighs> I forgive him for what he's done. I forgive him for what he said. But I'm working through it until my heart is pure and in good space because then I can love well. You see, the enemy not only wants to keep you quiet. If he can't keep you quiet, he wants to distort your voice. He wants a bitter, angry heart to, to speak. And then your voice is distorted and you misrepresent Christ. You become an angry, hateful person. That's just wanting people, God to judge people. That is not God's heart. 
So you need to manage your internal atmosphere so that your voice will not be distorted. And in the last verse, verse 11, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. We are being persecuted. Have you succumbed to it? How do you know? Are you silent? Are you silent? Then you've succumbed. Step over the chicken line. And you will find out it's not so scary. Then it says, he who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. In other words, if you take a stand for Jesus, he will bless you now and for all of eternity. It's a good deal. Amen. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.